All right. Hey, it, it is a uh, it's another Monday, although it just feels like it's just another day, man. It feels like every day is the same, but every day is not the same. You know, we're at the beginning of another week here at uh, what I like to call the BBC. That's not the British broadcasting, although when you hear my guests, you might think it is. But it's the Brent Broadcasting Channel here. And with me to start the week off is Robin Bordoli, Bordoli, Bordoli. I think I got it right the first time. Bordoli, right? Is that you did. That, that's <laughs> it's not an easy name. So full marks. I just wanted to try to get it right. But anyway, uh, he is the okay, like freshly minted CEO of Next Roll. So thank you for joining me, man. This is great. Brent, thanks for having me. And yeah, it gave me a chuckle to to see this as the BBC. So uh, <laughs> I am a Brit, sort of born and raised, but been in. Uh, Silicon Valley for the last 24 years. So I'm um, somewhere mid-Atlantic at this point. See, I thought you were from like my area of the South in Georgia, but with that accent, but apparently not, right? Yeah, well, the, <laughs> the Southern accent and the English accent do have some sort of common, you know, some common threads. But no, no I, would, I would struggle with the heat down there. My British hide would, uh, would struggle. <laughs> Well, hey, man, I'm just glad that you're joining us today. And uh, because you're you guys operate in an area that I think is really interesting and and has a lot of things going on, particularly with the pandemic. So maybe you could just start with a little bit of your personal background and then tell us what uh, what you guys do at Next World. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, as I say, so British sort of born and raised, uh, grew up in the middle of England, Um my name is Robin, and my mother sort of picked that name in reference to Robin Hood. She actually was born in Sherwood. Uh, so if you've really? heard of you know, Sherwood Forest, which is, you know, where sort of the, uh, uh, the tale comes from. Um, but sort of born and raised there, went to university, studied engineering at, at Cambridge University in England, had some uh, engineering and business roles, and then actually got into my first startup, a company called Micromuse. And it was that company that brought me out to the West Coast. And then, you know, 24 years later, still here uh, with a long career in the technology arena. And currently the CEO of Nextrol. And Nextrol is a marketing technology company that actually is not just in one market, but is in two growth markets. So it's in the direct-to-consumer market so delivering marketing technology to marketers that are inside of direct to consumer brands and then the second growth market is b2b marketing and sales teams so delivering marketing technology to to those uh, those as well so we're in two growth markets and we've had a bird's eye view of, of the market dynamics um you know that have been intensified by uh, COVID-19. Yeah, maybe you could uh, fill us in on kind of what have been the biggest impacts when you think of, you know, the, the coronavirus on each of those segments, because I'm sure there are different things happening because they're approaching different audiences. Yeah, um, well, I'll sort of, I'll wind back the clock a little bit, because although it, you know, you made the reference that uh, this feels like Groundhog Day, right, every day is sort of blurring together, I think it's really important to go back in time and remember what we did when and what we thought at that point in time and what do we know, now know. Um, so if you go back to the beginning of the year, uh, you know, in January and February, it was pretty apparent to us within Nextrol 
that because uh, we're a global business, we're not just a, a US business, that COVID-19 was going to have a massive macroeconomic effect. So, you know, we started planning for that and trying to gather the best data we could and get the best insight we could to try and understand what was the macro impact going to be. And, um, you know, a lot of economists are talking about different shapes of recession, right? There's the V-shaped recession, sharp dip, but sharp return. The U-shaped, right? So even sharper dip, but then you go along the bottom for a while and then you climb out. Um, there's the W, so you actually bounce around. So it's volatile. It's not just up and down, but then you go down again and then up. Um, and then there's the L-shaped, right, which is a big drop and then a structural you know, resetting of level at, at some new lower level, right? So you actually don't climb back up the other side. So like everyone else, we were trying to work out both what's the macro impact going to be and at a global, at a, at a you know, sort of a company, le at, a, uh, at a country level or at a global level, not necessarily just our industry, because we serve, even though we're in the MarTech industry, we serve all, uh, all industries within that. Right. So the companies themselves are in different industries. Uh, and so trying to work through that is hard. And then what do you plan for? Because if you plan for one, it turns out the other. So we, in essence, we planned for a V. Right. We planned for somewhere between a U and a V. We believed Q2 was going to be the sharpest macro drop and very significant. Right. Could be 20, 30 percent in that range. Um, Q2 over Q1, and then the, you would be a gradual climb back, and maybe by Q1 of 2021, we'd sort of be back at about that level, right? So somewhere between a U and a V that was a four-quarter um, impact. So we sort of, you know, planned for that. We we took some action in that regard, and the dip, the dip was significant, but it wasn't as big as we thought, and we've also climbed out of it faster than we thought. Uh, and as we've dug into it, there's really there's one overriding factor that's driving this, and then it manifests itself in our two businesses in different ways. Uh, the, the override, I mean, it's absolutely true that you know February, March, and April, the world basically hit a pause button, right? I don't know what's going on, and human human nature when they don't know what's going on is just pause and shut down and try and work stuff out rather than sort of keep going. So buying decisions get delayed, you know, investment decisions get delayed. You sort of retrench into what am I doing right now, right? What's absolutely essential. And that was the first impact of COVID-19. But the second one, which is longer lasting and more structural, is a shift from offline activity to online activity, right? It's an acceleration of digital transformation. So what that means in the in our ad roll business, which is the business that serves direct consumer marketers, is that consumer behavior means I'm no longer going to my local store or my, you know, uh, I'm no longer going into a physical store. I'm actually ordering more online. Um, and what it also means is there's been a, a, a rapid growth. I, I sometimes like to describe it as a Cambrian explosion of direct-to-consumer brands, like brand new companies getting born that are selling, you know, stuff for your garden, home fitness equipment, um, you know, new ways to entertain yourself, 
you know, there's the, there is an explosion of these of these companies as people are spending more time at home and, and sort of categories are, are getting born as well, right? If I can't go to my gym, I need to exercise. Maybe I do need, right, an ex, you know, some some dumbbells at home, right? Maybe I need some exercise bands. Maybe I need some some wobble boards to to help with my core strength. Um, so that's one one big shift, right? Offline to online, which was already happening. But if you go look at some of the data that's now getting published, the growth rate of uh, of e-commerce as a percentage basis is the highest it's ever been year over year over the last decade. So we're seeing that in the numbers now. So that's the, the first. In the in the uh, B2B ABM space, which is where our Rollworks business operates, it's similar in that before companies, when they were selling, right, a lot of the selling they would do would be face-to-face, -face, right? They would be going on-site to a customer, right? They would be going to a trade show and having face-to-face -face interactions, right? That activity has also gone online and gone digital, right? So now I'm selling over Zoom or I'm selling over, you know, LinkedIn Live or I'm selling over, you know, Google Hangout, um, Google Meets. Um, or the trade shows, right? The trade shows haven't gone away. They've just gone virtual, right? Look at Okta, which is a, a big customer of ours and, you know, they hosted Octane, which is their big customer event. And, you know, that they went from it, oh, my God, it's going to be in person, so I've got to do it virtually now, right? Um, and when that happens, then those digital signals means you can be much more targeted and efficient about how you run marketing and sales because what used to be offline and invisible is now online and connected and visible, right? So, so that shift to online buying behavior for B2B buyers, right, is also uh, an accelerant uh, for our business as well. So that's a, a couple of ways. And so as we think, if I go back to those shapes, right, the, the V, the U, the W, and the L, there's another one that's being talked about now, which is the K. So the reason the K shape is being talked about is for some companies, they're actually coming out of it and accelerate. They're like going up the up the um, you know, the oh the escalator staircase, right? And some are actually fall the other side and going down the staircase, right? Wow. So um, so there are companies that are, you know, there will be winners and losers in this structural shift. The ones that are, you know, optimized for a you know, digital businesses are the ones that are you know, disproportionately benefiting um, from this. So in addition to being optimized to be a digital business, I would assume because it's uh, it's really important more so than ever to stay connected with customers, it's also about the way that they're using those uh, digital um, tools to connect with customers and prospects and the messaging. What's been the biggest needed change uh, for marketers in the pandemic uh, who are trying to connect with customers who are scared, who have had to change their way of doing, you know, kind of traditional things overnight uh, and how are marketers having to change their messaging and their approach, not just change their technology, but change the way that they're listening, the, the way that they're uh, addressing customers and going forward with that. 
Yeah, Brett, it's a great question, and we we've we've thought deeply about this, and 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 really tried to uh, sort of shift our behavior in this regard. So, um, so Randy Barshak, who is the SVP of marketing uh, for our Rollworks business, and Jason Finkelstein, who's our SVP of marketing um, for our AdRoll business, have really been leading the charge for us in in this regard. Which is, if there's one word that you need to have front of mind as a marketer in this environment, it's empathy, right? It's you can't sort of just deliver the same messages in a rote form and, you know, automation, automation, automation. It's about empathy and walking in the shoes of your customers and understanding. It's interesting for our businesses because, you know, we have, we are, you know, our marketing team are marketing to fellow marketers, right? They're not marketing to, IT, you know, folks in IT or engineering or product. they're marketing to other marketers. So at some level, they should be able to immediately be empathetic, right? Because they, they sort of understand the role. But I think the second aspect to this, and this is a larger commentary, not just about our business, but, but about all business, which is, um, you know, I think one of the new norms that is emerging is the ability is is being human, being authentic, being a little bit messy, right? Uh, you know, you're you're we're on our you know our cameras right now. This is you know this is my bedroom, right? You can see behind. We're actually our house is under construction right now, so you know this is our bedroom and it's also our TV room with our kids. Um, and you know, my daughter could walk in any moment. My my son could walk in any moment and bring me, you know, bring me lunch, bring me a coffee. And so, one of the things, one of the new norms we're establishing was like, that's okay. And by the way, not as is okay, but if you see that, you should say hi to that person, right? You shouldn't make them feel awkward. And um, and so, I think like empathy is so so important as a as a leader in these times to be open, to be authentic not to try and have a veneer up that we've got all the answers and we're buttoned down and, you know, we've, we've got that, that's sort of gone away, right? Be, be real, be authentic, be open, be vulnerable um, in that as, uh, as well. Uh, and, and then the other aspect of that is there's definitely a tendency, you know, thought leadership <laughs> is a, in my mind is a slightly poisoned, um, you know, poison term at this point. Thought leadership has a has a sense of people talking down to you, right? right. I it's a little bit like, oh, I've gone up to the mountains and I've got this wind <laughs> bringing it down to you, and I'm not telling you exactly how I got it or why I got it, but it's magical and it's mystical, and just trust me, right? <laughs> and, and so we we almost think of ourselves as like the anti thought leaders. And what we want to think about is practical, pragmatic, real-world advice. And so, you know, we've done things like seven-minute webinars where you're going to get seven, you know, real, real actionable tips in seven minutes. Come on for seven minutes. Because, by the way, who's got 30 minutes to spare these days? <laughs> Come on for seven minutes. Listen. We'll follow up with the materials, right, if it's resonating but you know, experimenting in both different formats as well as what we actually deliver. Um, and so we did, for example, a canceled events guide when when this started to hit hard in February and March, and the first wave of market um, sort of trade shows were getting canceled. 
for a B2B marketer, that's incredibly scary because typically as a B2B marketer, that might be about a third of your budget. Mm. So you're saying, okay, so where I spend a third of my money is just evaporated overnight. What do I do? So we came out with a canceled events guide of, okay, here's a playbook, very specific to this. So it wasn't thought leadership. It was, okay, here's a, you know, here's a very detailed playbook to think through how to now actually navigate this particular situation. Um, so I think that's the other aspect of it, Brent, is, is, you know, be human, be real, be open, be a little messy, right? It's okay. That's what being a human is. Um, and, and don't talk down to people, right? Try and find some, some real pragmatic and human connection. All right. So we got a couple of, uh, questions and opinions. Uh, my buddy, Alan Berkson over at Freshworks says seven minute webinars. He loves the idea. So don't be surprised if you are going to see some, uh, seven minute webinars coming out of Freshworks. (laughs) It's like seven abs, right? Yeah. How about six minute abs? Why can't I do six minute abs or five minute abs or four minute abs, right? Yeah. All right. So he he also got in on the empathy theme, but also here's a question from another buddy of mine, Anand Tucker, who is a Martech guy, expert, influencer. Empathy is great, but how do you go from empathy to growth? Great question. Uh, I, I don't think they're, I don't think they're in, they're not intention. Right. So uh, empathy is about establishing a connection. Right. Growth is then actually using that connection to bring about sort of action or change. So I, I don't think of them as 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 separate. Right. So we're not we're not just there to put an arm around uh, a marketer and sort of commiserate <laughs> we're there to have empathy to connect and then actually give them something concrete, constructive, pragmatic as to how to face the challenges that they're now facing, right? So for example, on the in the in the B2B market in the ABM world, one of the natural things that happens when you have a, a macroeconomic crisis is a sudden narrowing of your aperture, right? It's like, well, I can't take on new projects. I can't take on, I've got to just focus on what's right ahead of me in this this week, this month, this quarter, right? I can't think about next year. I can't think about two years or three years from now. Uh, I can't think about maybe, you know, what I, I want to make sure that what I'm p- spending dollars on right now is working right now. And that actually plays into ABM, right? The fundamental promise of ABM is just spend money on the accounts that matter to you and can become your customers, right? Rather than the spray and pray so um you know what's been the dominant uh demand gen methodology over the last decade which is lead based right and the analogy there would be fishing with nets so let me create some content put big nets out into the ocean scoop up all these fish 90 percent of them are relevant to me and i throw them back and 10 percent i keep right there the accounts that actually buy from me but we've moved to a world where actually the data and machine learning capabilities are now such that you can be much more targeted to the accounts and the right people within accounts and making sure you're spending money just on those accounts, right, in a much more targeted way as well. So this isn't, um, you know, to a certain extent, COVID-19 actually reinforces that, right? In these moments of crisis, you tend to shrink and, and, and focus 
And that's already the message of, of Rollworks and account-based marketing as well. So I think that empathy and growth aren't, they're not, uh, they're not enemies, they're, they're, you know, they're companions. Uh, and you need to, you need the empathy to create the connection with customers. And then you need the, the value, right? And the technology to deliver growth. Great. I'm going to pop this up because uh, it's kind of an ex pretty extended question here, but I think it's a really interesting one from Anand as well. B2B buyers are looking for deeper relationships with vendors or brands. Are ads limited only to the first interactions or how can ad-based tech deepen these relationships beyond the impression? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, right? So, so the, um, the way that uh, in our Rollworks business, we think about account-based marketing and, and B2B buyers is, here's the fundamental problem as a marketer you're trying to, to solve, right? There's three parts to the problem. The first is you're trying to identify who are the best account, the best fit accounts, right? Who are the accounts and the people in the accounts are the best likelihood of becoming customers for my business, right? Not generically, but my business, right? So there's an identification problem. The second then is the engagement problem. So how do I engage those buyers as early in their buying journey as possible and then stay connected throughout the entire buying journey? And then the third is, how do I measure what's working and do more of what's working and less of what's not, right? And those are the three sort of fundamental problems as a B2B marketer you're trying to solve. If you if you double click, so so we, you know, the Rollworks platform sort of starts with that first bit, the identification. So looking at what, is, what are the best accounts and the best buyers from a fit perspective, from an intent perspective, and from an engagement perspective. Um, and so, uh, so that's the starting point, right? If you move into the engagement part, their uh, advertising, digital advertising is the only channel that has the potential to stay with a buyer, both connect with them at the, at the earliest possible point in their journey, and then stay with them throughout their entire journey, right? Email can't do that because email, they have to be known to you before you can start to, to do that, right? So you've got to remember journeys, if you go and look at the data, B2B buyers today spend 83% of their time in the buying journey, not engaging with vendors, right? Only 17%. So they, they are doing so much work before they engage with a vendor that if you only wait until they've engaged with you, you're, you're, you know, <laughs> you, they, they've, they've it. <laughs> already made up their mind or they're just confirming a few things, right? So the power of digital advertising is that it, it can start in buying journeys much earlier and then actually progress across that. Now, in order to do that effectively, the messaging has to change as that buyer goes through different stages. So that's where personalization comes in. Personalization, both who is the buyer, is this the CMO? versus you know the individual person that's going to be using the technology right where are they in their buying journey are they just starting to become aware of this category are they you know about to sign a contract right have they actually closed right because you can this isn't just to get them initially but you want to continue to reach out to them around um you know expansion and other use cases right um so the power of digital advertising is core to account-based marketing. Um, as email was to marketing automation, 
digital advertising is to ABM, right? Because it's a different problem that you're trying to solve. I'm going to pop this up because uh, Anand says you are doing great things at ad role and the next role. And really he's been following you guys for a while. So I think uh, that's why he's getting these questions is because he's been <laughs> wanting to ask you some questions for a while. It's just great. Hey, I want to talk a little bit because we only have a few minutes left. I wanted to kind of talk about uh, what parts of the MarTech stack uh, may have been effective in the previous COVID instance, but might be time to move away from in post-COVID world. And what are some things to be maybe that will be on the rise that people should be aware of? Because I'll, I'll give you a pet peeve of mine just, and then I'll let you run with this one. Um you know, the retargeting thing is kind of getting old on me a little bit. You know, I, I might go to a website and I don't know if I want to be retargeted for the next five websites I go to with that in mind. Are there things that are starting to wear thin? And because you, you talk about, you know, the engagement and connecting the orchestration for the journey and you want to you want to know what people are doing and, and have an idea of what uh, may, you know, convert. But you also want to know what may like turn them off as well and what what things may have worked previously that you might want to start getting away from and what things should you start looking into that might suit you better so i'll, I'll give two things brent as we're down to the last uh, sort of three or four minutes but we could spend we spent a couple of hours on this topic but I'll, I'll, I'll give two right i'll give one from the buyer consumer perspective and i'll give one from the the marketer perspective and there's sort of two sides of the you know, uh, of the same coin. Um, the, the, what buyers and consumers don't want is disconnected experiences, right? I don't want to be having a different experience, you know, in how I'm being advertised to, from how I'm getting emails, from, you know, when I turn up on social channels to, you know, I may be an existing customer and I call in and have a customer support experience, right? I don't want um, disconnected experience because it basically it's that company telling me you don't know me. And if you don't know me, I don't want to do business with you. So I think that's that's a, a really important shift because buying patterns now have become so nonlinear and so multi-channel that it used to be sort of OK, right? Because you might only come in through one channel, right? You might only interact, but they're... They're so non-linear and they're so multi-channel that it's now uh, it's paramount that 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 you don't give buyers that disconnected experience, right? Um, and you have an understanding of them throughout their journey, throughout their buying journeys. The 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 second one from a mart from a marketer's perspective and a martech is um, as those channels as they no longer thought of as separate, right? As you start to think of them as a combined experience. That actually imposes a different technological challenge as a marketer and the amount of data that you're dealing with and the amount of journeys you have to track and the amount of actions and predictions that you need to um, you know, implement means that uh, rules-based technology, right, if this, then that, no longer scales, no longer works. So if you look at the first wave of marketing automation, and I come from that world, right? I was part of the leadership team at Marketo and, you know, deeply understand the, the sort of the evolution of that category. It was rules-based, right? You were optimizing for a small number of actions, tens of thousands of accounts, right? And it would be if this, then that, right? If it, if it reached this lead score, 
then deliver it to sales, right? Um, but it was not, it, you didn't have large data sets, right? Now, because the journeys are so nonlinear, there's, you're dealing with, you know, a million, you're trying to deal with the individual account or the individual consumer, right? You're not dealing with large buckets of poor, you know, um, non-granular segmentation, as well as the journeys are going across multiple channels and they're non-linear, they might bounce around all over the place. You, the rules-based technology just breaks down. It just collapses, right? In this world, it collapses. And so machine learning and the, and the interaction of data and machine learning is absolutely paramount, right? Absolutely paramount as you're looking at these next generation platforms. And there's a discontinuity, right? So that discontinuity um, means machine learning is absolutely paramount. Um, and that's why we, we, we put a lot of store in that. We have a deep heritage uh, around that. You know, we process more predictions on our platform than the New York Stock Exchange does. Um, and so, you know, that is absolutely critical in this new phase that, that we're going, you know, going forward with. Robin, this has been a great conversation. And and as you said, we could be here till like the end of the day, but I know you got things to do. But uh, where can people learn more about some of the things that you're doing at Nextroll? Yeah, so you can come to nextroll.com, um, adroll.com, and rollworks.com. So those are our, um, you know, Nextroll is the company, and then our two business units, our two divisions. Uh, so come check us out. Uh, Adroll has a very vibrant uh sort of content production there's there's adroll live there's a podcast for adroll uh rollworks.com we actually later this year we're going to be launching a community uh, for marketers called the accountable marketing collective so one of the things we're we're deeply aware of is that um marketers want to learn from other marketers and we want to be a facilitator for that and that this is a bit of a discontinuity, right? So we need to provide that that uh, arena, that platform for marketers to learn from other marketers as well. So that'll be launching later on this year. It's it's private and closed right now, but uh, in Q4. But yeah, nextroll.com, adroll.com, and rollworks.com are the, the three places to come learn about our businesses. Hey, and we'd love to have you come back and uh, talk more about what, what you're seeing as, as we kind of make our way through the pandemic and, and hopefully get to the other side and, and what we should be trying to do uh, in anticipation of that. So this has been great. We'd love to have you back. I love your, your Georgia accent, man. It's great. It makes me feel right at home. <laughs> thanks again. And uh, Hey, uh, I'll have some more shows uh, the rest of the week. So thanks for checking this one out and I'll see you later. Thanks. Bye, Brent.